Email is a terrible thing to be efficient at. You know why? Because the more efficient you are with email, the more they come back to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, <Wow>. See, that's <laughs> the reason. That's the reason oh, why no. I don't send it's out these emails. It really that's is exactly it. <laughs> Are we up? All right. Hey, do you guys know a lot of people that Don't love yell. attention? Don't yell. Do you know a lot of people that love attention? I'm sitting. I'm sitting next to one of them. You know, you love ben, a lot of attention. Yeah. Oh, you're looking at one right now. We're, we're about to talk to one right now that loves attention. His name is Kurt Steinhorst. And let me give you a little bit of background on Kurt Steinhorst. He is the author of the Amazon best-selling book, "Can I Have Your Attention?" He coaches founders. And CEOs of multi-billion dollar brands on how to capture and keep the attention of their internal and external audiences. Uh, he's worked with groups as such as companies such as JP Morgan, Allstate, Marriott, the Naval Academy. He's been all over the place. He is personally my coach or coached me as far as uh, speeches, uh, helped me with my speeches, presentation, the whole nine. Very good friend of mine. Uh, sh- uh, straight shooter, give it to you raw, and, and that's why Kurt Steinhorst is on the show today because there's so much value in what you've brought to me personally and what I've seen you do outside to, to corporations. And we want to go back, Kurt. We want to. We don't want to just talk about the today because I know you've been very successful, but I want to take you back to when you were a child. And we want to hear the journey of what, why Kurt Steinhorst is the guy he is today. Well, I'm excited to do that. I, <laughs> I when I think about my childhood, it's funny. Uh, I was diagnosed as uh, with attention deficit disorder when I was a kid, um, which is ironic that I uh, speak and write about focus with a condition that says I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was like, Darren, I think we're going to have you do a speech on being an introvert or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I was, I, I was the kid that, uh, everyone, all the teachers like pay attention, uh, stop moving. What are you doing? Um, but the other part of it was I was really competitive. And so I found workarounds and, and, um, what ended up happening in middle school was I was planning to be just like you, a professional athlete. Um, but I peaked in eighth grade. So what well, wasn't exactly a great career. Um, but I did have these incredible teachers that, that pulled me aside and said, they thought that I could excel in debate and in public speaking. And so I went to a city tournament in seventh grade and won the city tournament against eighth graders. And I knew at that point that, um, my interest and fascination with how do you keep the attention of an audience, how do you structure ideas, how do you learn to speak, would really drive everything. And so um, that's really my childhood is kind of defined in those two ways, knowing that I'm passionate about speaking and rhetoric and also having to figure out how to excel uh, academically while um, not being able to focus very well. Yeah, well, I can't imagine it. Seven, what, in seventh grade, you had to be, what, 12 years old, 13 years yeah. old, somewhere in there? I mean, yeah. uh, our biggest fear today is standing up and speaking at that age. How did you overcome that at that age? You know, it's interesting. I, 
In fact, one time we had a conversation and uh, you had talked about your anxiety with public speaking. And I asked the question, well, how did you feel before the Super Bowl? You know, how did, how did you feel before when you were standing in the tunnel? And you said, well, I had a bunch of nerves, but I was excited. I was pumped up. I was ready to go. And in some ways, I think because I had some early success in the space, it, the, the mechanism or the way that my brain works when it comes to public speaking and things like that is um, it's not that the nerves aren't there. We all have nerves. There's nothing natural about having a lot of eyes stare at you. But uh, I just interpret it as excitement and uh, learn that pretty early. So you, you took that early success, but obviously you can't just skip forward to, to now and, and, you know, the ultimate success that you've had so far. So what were the steps and, and tell us a little bit more about the, you know, you, you experienced that early success and then it led you down a path of, uh, down this path. Tell us a little bit more about what it, how it led to what you're doing now. Yeah. Well, I, so I thought I was going to be a pastor and I went to Texas A&M university, had a chance to be president of my class one year and aiming towards uh, speaking in, in through a faith-based world. And what ended up happening is after academia, I uh, was offered a job at a talent agency that focused on the public speaking market. And uh, I, you know, a 23-year-old punk that thinks they know everything, um, I heard a speaker that was paid $50,000 that was absolutely awful that we represented. And so I went to the CEO and I said, hey, I have a way that I can help create revenue and improve the value of what we're offering and really help everyone. Because I, I do believe that there's um, very few opportunities to truly create um, an immediate jumpstart, uh, an immediate change than when um, people are intentionally sitting down and saying, please share your story with us. Please share. Like, so it's a really important moment. Um, and so they, I basically said, look, I'll, uh, I'll coach when the person we can book, but they can't speak and I'll write the speech, help them with that. And then um, if they can speak, but we can't book them, like we can help with market position. And so I moved into that role and then um, really uh, pushed out of the first company I worked for 2008, 2009 was not good for that business. And so I went independent. I was about to head to business school, but decided to launch my own communications consultancy to do and then, really, it's interesting. When I started my business, it was the first time that the past ways that I had handled my distraction and need for focus just didn't work anymore. Um, meaning, moments and bursts of hyper focus uh, and a kind of a knack for being able to consume and, and uh, process concepts pretty quickly in the areas that I'm interested in. It just couldn't overcome the volume of emails, the I got to you know, go to the bank, open a checking account. What's an LLC? Like just tons of stuff. And then I have a girlfriend who becomes my wife and I just want to talk to her on Gchat all day. Like, so this was, I just was, I was overwhelmed. And I, 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 um, I knew at that moment that I had to start really investigating and understand um, ways of focusing and ways of performing, or I would have to go back home and live with my parents like a lot of people in the millennial generation. Kurt, let me ask you this. I know a lot of people uh, nowadays really do struggle with focus, um, and I'll raise my hand as, as no. really the worst. No, really? The worst. <laughs> um, but as you're going through that, I think you know from an individual perspective, a lot of people feel like 
I'm, I'm the only one like this. Did you feel like I'm the only one that is struggling with focus? I'm going through this alone. And what, what prompted you to, okay, I'm not the only person and there's a lot of people and there's a market out there that I could actually reach and talk through this with. Yeah. I, I you really, you hit the nail on the head. I think, um, we are, we are in this weird moment when we're inundated by self-help gurus who can tell us all of the, um, like what the perfect morning can look like. What would it look like to work four hours a day and co- accomplish 28 hours a day's worth of work? And, and so um, it, it's an isolating and debilitating feeling. And, and I, I think that's really part of the, the challenge is like there's so many of the things that we're perceiving about what we're supposed to be able to do that actually keep us from having any chance of real success. Mm. And so, yeah, I, 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 you know, the journey for me on attention and the study of attention that ended up like taking me to uh, research and um, interviewing with neuroscientists and <laughs> things like that, that it really started with step one. I need to learn how to life hack my life so that I'm the perfect time management person. And, and unfortunately for that, um, I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> like that's the problem is uh, it was always really great for tomorrow, but you know, right now I want to, um, I want to check up on the NFL draft that the Cowboys, what do, do I think they're going to draft? You know, it's like, so yeah. it started that way. And, and eventually where I end up though, is, um, is realizing that when you understand the brain, that a lot of the things that I was doing actually could be, um, not just, not just uh, not disadvantages, but they could be valuable advantages when I understood how to put some constraints around them, how it works. So, yeah, um, (laughs) there's a long way of answering your question, but I, you know, I did think it was just me. I was like, it's because I have ADD. And then all of a sudden look, and I'm like, everyone else has it too. And so now let's think about this. Yeah. And and that's, that's exactly right. I, I feel like I look at social media, right? Every other ad on Instagram or Twitter is some motivational speaker that's got, Hey, I can, I could teach you how to live life to the fullest. And I'm the only one that has the answers. And I look at it and I'll even just be like, okay, I'm actually going to click this ad and see what they have to say. And, and then it's like, you look at it like, there's no way, like, I mean, that doesn't make any sense. And maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one that can't figure this out. And I think of you know, how you said, okay, step one is fix myself. And I've got to get my my affairs in order and be efficient. And I've got to figure out how to live life the fullest before I can ever even say anything to anybody else. And I think a lot of us, and we've talked about this, you just get paralyzed because you look at it because like it's hard. Like you said, there is so often we have all these plans for, all right, Monday I'm starting that diet. Monday I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start that. I'm going to start that. And, and we yeah. just get so inundated with information and so inundated with requests and demands and all these things. That it's like, okay, without, like you said, without actually saying, understanding, okay, chemically, biologically, neurologically, how do I function and understanding what each of those means, I feel like you're just kind of wandering aimlessly and you don't have, you don't know where to start. And it really is. And you can follow the, this, this, uh, checklist, right. To, to be efficient through your day and be effective time manager. But I don't know until you're self-aware of what's going on i guess that would be my question to you and i know we're going to do we're going to go through a session today right are we so are we going to go through a session of how to be organized is that we're going to go through so i I, go ahead yes 
No, I, I, I'm, we're going to go through a session of um, why is Darren distracted and how do we fix it? Yes. There you go. Yes. There you go. That's where you start. <laughs> how <laughs> much time do you have? My gosh. Guys, so, this is a 10-part miniseries. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I want to go through that, uh, that session, but I also want to go through the fears because uh, the fears of speaking. Because I went through this, and I know you guys probably didn't know this, but I went through that anxiety part of it with Kurt personally, as far as speaking in front of 200, 300, 400 people. And he said something earlier, which still sticks with me today, before I go out and I speak. So I, I want to, let's go back to the session of, of the attention side, but let's go back to the speech side of it, because I want to get through that and then go through uh, the lesson here. Uh, you told me, the same, that same thing, you know, how do you feel when you're about to walk out of the tunnel? What's the anxiety that you, you have? This is the same anxiety you're going to have before you, you go do a speech, right? And it's so true, the nervousness, the anxiety, am I ready? Am I prepared to go out on the football field? That's going through my mind when I'm walking down that tunnel. And how I overcame that is once, once I got out of the tunnel, then we started hitting or whatnot, the anxiety's gone, you know, you're back to whatever. And it's the same thing the same anxiety when I have to go up and give a speech, the nervousness is going to be there. And then I'll walk up and they're inter- They're saying my name and they're doing, going through my bio and they're introducing me. And then that CEO or CFO, when they pass over that mic, it's game time mm-hmm. and the anxiety is gone. And I, and I wish that other people could experience that, but I've had so many people that do not want to get up there because get up and speak because of the fear, the fear alone, the walk down that tunnel is, is the worst thing they've ever experienced. Give us some of the takeaways that you go through and what you've taught some of the CEOs and, and those yeah. founders before they've gone up and spoke. Yeah. So a, a, a few things, and I'll just start with a recognition of what it means when um, we choose to let that fear, um, and box us out of that opportunity. And, and the challenge there is you're basically saying, I don't want, I'm, I, I'm going to choose to be less influential. I'm going to choose to not uh, capitalize on an opportunity to um, take people from one place to a place that really you're uniquely, your story and your insights, whatever they are, um, are uniquely capable of helping them with. And so it starts with saying, this is worth it. Like there's um, Warren Buffett, I think he, he knows a thing or two about uh, wealth. <laughs> and he, um, he was speaking at this um, NBA graduation for Columbia, which is actually where he went. And he said, I'll give $100,000 to any person now for 10% of your earnings over the course of your lifetime. And then he said, actually, and if you're a great communicator, I will give you 150000 and that's because you're 50% more valuable than the rest of you. Wow. And so it's just, I, I just want to start by saying it's worth it. And then a couple practicals. Um, we are what we attend to, right? And so the, the key here is um, the ideas that we allow to come through our head shape how our, um, our, our body behaves and shape what um, the narrative that we're telling as we're moving into this in- experience will ultimately shape whether we um, walk in with the type of stress that actually leads to performance or distress. And so it really starts by saying, what are the lies I'm believing, mm-hmm. right? What is it that I am, uh, I am allowing? Um, they're gonna, I'm going to forget my lines. 
I am, uh, <laughs> everyone's going to laugh at me. The audience is going to reject me. Um, the world will collapse if I mess up here. <laughs> there's, uh-huh. there's all these things. We've got to really identify them. And then we need to find specific, concrete phrases that um, deeply answer that lie so that we, at the moment, have what we need to walk up and perform. And so, like, I'll give you mine. Um, I, because I get nervous still, uh, I have three. Number one, I, I will always remember um, the audience is on my side and I can help them. And so I just remind myself, like, I can help them, right? And then number two for me, this is just my specific ones. My kids don't care how this goes. Mm-hmm. That helps mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, that's, that's one good. of my, that's one of what you gave me. You gave that, that really to me good. Too. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that one. Yeah. It's, well, it's, it's nice, but it's amazing how that can reframe everything. Right. Um, and then my last one is just, um, it's going to sound arrogant, but it's about productive. I'm like, I'm the, I'm the best speaker they're going to hear. Ah, there it is. There oh, it is. That's what, hey, I, same thing. It's the same thing. I'm a bad mountain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I said to myself over and over again, like they, they want to hear me. And I have something of value that I need to give to them. And that's, to me, that's the, the I don't know if it's the arrogance, if it's the swagger, it's, it's walking down that tunnel, that, that belief in myself that I have to continue to remind myself of this before I speak in front of 400 people. But that's exactly what it is. And the fear, I remember being a kid in, in, in grade school and having to do, you know, we used to always have to get up and do our little spill on something. Now, teachers used to put us up oh, there yeah, yeah. in front of the class. And Talk my about son, Rhode Island. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to get up, and man, for a day, they usually tell us the day before, you have to get up and you have to speak. That whole night, I'm up. I mean, just the fear of getting up in front of 10, 15 people was just, you know, I would crumble in, in, inside of that. My kids are exactly the same. And I try to give them input. So give my, give, give my 14, 15-year-old boy, give him, well, he's 19 now, but give that 15-year-old kid that's out there right now some advice on, I got to go do a yeah. speech tomorrow or, or you know, give him, give him some feedback. Yeah, so a, a couple of things. Number one, the reason we say the confidence-building statements is confidence is everything, right, when it comes to these type of opportunities. And so um, – uh, one of the mistakes a lot of people make when they're trying to help someone with these types of things is they, they can tell them all the mistakes they make um, and they put more pressure on them instead of doing the opposite by saying like, hey, you can do this. Like, you're awesome. So it's really, how do I, how do I encourage them to, uh, your, your son, to say like, this is, you know, low pressure, man. You're great. You have a lot to say. And then um, that's part one. Part two would be, um, how do you make sure that they are prepared in a way that allows them to honestly say that they're going to do a good job? I think one of the biggest myths, lies out there when it comes to this is like great communicators just wing it. As if you just come out of the womb and Bill Clinton or Barack Obama or Ronald Reagan, depending on your political persuasion, they just all at two two years old, they were waxing poetic and everyone wanted to listen. That's just not how it is. Um, It happens because you prepare. So we know our stuff and then we're so. And last thing I would say to someone that was a kid is we have done this horrific. uh, It's like a tragedy in the the world that we're living in in education where we've made we've made. rhetoric, public speaking, a, um, a side course 
Um, it's an elective. Most kids do one thing when, in fact, it's one of the most critical skills. Like Aristotle, uh, older philosopher, uh, rhetoric, learning to publicly speak was one of the first three foundational units of the classical education. Like, just so make them do it. You got to do it. Yeah, do it yeah. often. Do it mm -hmm. frequently. Mess up. You're going to not do it well, but do it again. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm glad you said number two because you can sit there and tell somebody, hey, have confidence. You can do it. But if there's no preparation there, yeah. if there's no work put yeah. in, that no speech, no pump-up speech in the world is going to help you in that situation. You have to put in the work. That's what I've found out. And you think about that tunnel analogy, right, coming out. Like you went into that Super Bowl because and confident, excited, nervous. Right. The nerves were there, but you were excited because you know that you were prepared. Yeah, I think about the spe yeah. the speeches that I've given, and the ones that I really truly am the most nervous for are the ones that I do try to wing it. And and I'm I'm guilty of saying I'm better at improv, and I'm not great at trying to recite things and make sure that I'm I hit this and I hit that. Because I'm kind of I'm kind of like Will Ferrell in old school, where I just black out sometimes, <laughs> yeah. and then I just come out on the other side, and I'm just like well, I'm just spit out a bunch of gibberish. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, but when I am prepared, and and however you prepare that's appropriate to your your own delivery style or whatever it is, or or games, right? Mm -hmm. That's when you go in and you're like, okay, this is excitement because I'm gonna know I know that I'm gonna go execute, and yeah. it doesn't matter who's across. Because like for me, when I would come out of the tunnel, it was it was not. As I was younger, it was like, I'm, dude, that dude might hurt me. Like, right. There was a legitimate fear, right? Like a self-preservation that like, I'm worried that I'm going to get hurt because that guy is that much bigger than me or better than me. And then as I got older, it was, no, I'm prepared. And I don't care if it's Ray Lewis. I don't care if it's, right. you know, Demario Davis. I don't care who it is because I, I know that I'm prepared. And what's the worst that can happen? Right. Uh, you can be put in a body bag. Exactly. You get put in a coma. Ray Lewis. You just mentioned Ray's name. Yeah. Okay. Nah. Well, thanks for proving the point, bag. guys. Hey, hey, you, hey, you see the support that we have here, guys? And we are we are the most uplifting team for each other. Yeah. And and we walk out of here. You can only hey, hey, Ray Lewis. You hey. prepare for a year. Hey, Aristotle. Kurt, Kurt, <laughs> Kurt just said number one is positive reinforcement right there. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Dude, uh, prepare all you want. Ray Lewis is putting you in a body bag. bag. <laughs> Luckily, for me i caught ray at the end of his career <laughs> but but going back to you kurt how do you how do you teach people to prepare what what are some ways yeah. that people can be prepared for this yeah and, and you know it's a really great observation one of the reasons that people feel like they do better winging it is because the way people prepare actually can cost them um that you we all did presentation where someone's tried to memorize a script, but they can't remember the line. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so awkward. Oh, boy. So awkward. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> that would be me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, there's, a couple, there's a couple approaches. Um, high level, I'm always saying, how are we thinking about the structure of the ideas that we have more than we're thinking about the script? So, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's it, people often will think story. Okay. What stories do I want to tell? Or I'm just going to no. like, okay, so let's, let's understand the audience is at one point and I am building a in, in some way, like, and I want to take them somewhere else. So I always want to start by saying, um, where's the audience? Who is my audience? Like, and, and where do I want to take them? And so when I can identify the main ideas, the main um, principles, then, um, well, immediately I'm ahead of most people in preparation, right? And I think the next step down is how the, what's the environment 
and what's the um, what's the need for precision? So Darren is is an incredible communicator, really, and he was awful before me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was. I was. No. Always a great communicator. Um, but so Darren's Darren gets paid to communicate um, ideas that have a real impact, and if I'm getting paid money. I, I want to have this down. I want to yeah. have the jokes down. I want to know I, that thing's going to work every time. So, but if it's me giving a speech at a Sunday school class or in, in the locker room, then all I want to do is I want to say I've got my big key ideas, and then I talk through them. And uh, you know, I generally say, however long you're speaking, you want to talk through each section twice that long. So basically, I got a 15-minute speech. I got three sections, five minutes each. I want to talk through each one of those sections three times before I ever try to do it in front of them. That's the okay. easiest way to do it. So in preparation, what about those people that feel, okay, the communication aspect of it is not necessarily the fear. It is the content and creating that structure. What What's some advice on preparation there? Like you've got this idea, you've got this, okay, you've got a cool story, but how to how to wrap that content into something that can be delivered to an audience? Yeah, so the first thing that you should know is it's hard work. Mm-hmm. This is not something that can be done easily. What we're really doing, what you're really saying is, um, how do I crystallize my ideas into a, um, into a structure and the right points to actually be really helpful to the audience. It takes work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes work. And so, um, you know, if we want to start the work, what we would start with is I just start with after I've identified my audience, kind of what the man gets the board. I have a bunch of sticky notes and I will <laughs> say, you know, what is anything I want to say to them? What's any story I want to do? And I just, I just throw it all out there. Mm-hmm. And then it allows us to start to say which ones are most meaningful, which ones are most helpful, which ones are this. And so every section, general rule of thumb is we want to have what's the point, what's the idea I'm wanting to communicate, what is a, what is a story to illustrate that idea um, that encompasses that idea, and how third, how am I connecting that to the audience, like how about them? Um, yeah, and those are kind of the basics. If you want to get advanced, uh, this is like the, the secret. It, every point is made more powerful and compelling by offering the counterpoint, the contrast. Mm-hmm. Meaning, um, Darren, I, uh, <laughs> I'm i not sure if you're still talking about this, but the, the fact that one of the things you always talked about was the teammates need to be competitive with yeah. one another. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a lot more powerful if... The, says there's a lot of people out there that will tell you as a team, we just want to support one another. Or we're going to sing Kumbaya or whatever it is. Like it's, it's far more powerful when you start to see that there's a, the alternative is um, like, this isn't just automatic that you would think that teammates should be competitive. A lot of people say the opposite. So you want to always put them against each other. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, one of the things that I remember when we first met, I came in and, you guys, you drug all this information out of me. We put it on the whiteboard and put all these sticky stickies on the, on the board. And we had so much content. And then we went through a process where you said, okay, you're going to go through three of these. You're going to go, we're going to have three of these. And I tell you what, that is the best, some of the best advice because I, in those three topics that I had, I was able to focus on those topics and then believe those stories, those stories. Then he told me, Curtin ended up telling me, 
tell stories. That's your strength. Tell stories behind them, right? So it simplified everything for me because I was all over the place. And the times before I met Kurt, I had 20 things I wanted to talk about. He said, three, give me three. And those three, I st- stuck with them and it went bam. And I told a story, bam, told a story behind it, bam, told a story behind it. And that was, it just made life that much easier. The anxiety went down and I became damn good at telling those three stories. So here's yeah, a, here's it's like the difference. Oh. No, no, no. You're much more interesting than me, please. Yeah, dude. Pipe down over there. Uh, so, well, all I was going to say is, is, you know, I want your best, not your newest. And, and so um, the problem so many of us have is like, oh, I'm going to say 100 things. I'm going to do this. Like, look, um, they're not going to remember any of that anyways. Exactly. So <laughs> it's the difference between how are you like it's the person who's single and goes on a ton of dates with one person and you start at the beginning every time with your, your date or you get married. And, uh, it's still, uh, quite a mystery, <laughs> you know, being married <laughs> my wife. Um, but at least the work is, it's like, it's building. So it's still the part. So like I, if I have the con- the foundational ideas and the stories, then it's like, every time I speak, I get a little better. I learn a bit and rather, rather than like, I'm going to do a whole new thing and start a first date over. I'm going to actually improve and improve. And that's a, that's a great point. I think in a lot of aspects of life, just as, as individuals, we always want to be the person that's, that's telling and telling and telling. And I have this, and I want to, I want to prove my relevance by giving you more and more information. But as, as you're speaking, yeah, clarify how you, you coach your, your clients, um, about, Hey, listen, like you just said it, they're not going to remember all this. Like, how do you get them to walk out of there to remember the three points that you want them to walk away from as opposed to, Hey, I've got a hundred really cool things and no, let's not do that. Let's focus on three powerful things. Yeah. Well, so honestly, that's where there's, it's really nice to have, um, a coach and, and, and that coach can be, um, it can be a friend. It can be a family member. Oftentimes, um, uh, your spouse is, is not the best person to, to be your coach when it comes to this stuff. Um, just because we always joke that, you know, you're your own worst enemy unless you're married. Right. Um, uh, so that's a branch. a good joke. I, um, so I just find someone because we aren't really good at self identifying what's the most powerful parts of our source. And, and so, Oh, like, Hey, we'll throw a bunch out there and then have someone else help to say, man, this is really powerful. I I'll tell you guys, I literally, one of the members of our team is doing that with me on our, on the topics of attention and focus. And like, she said to me, Kurt, you run through, you just run through that attention is the most limited and precious resource people have. And she's like that, like, I need to like digest that. And, and I, I was onto the next thing. And so I think it's really helpful to just have another voice that you trust. All right. One more question about speaking, uh, the fear, uh, <laughs> this is, this is a joke. So I'm, I'm going to preface it with that, but it's also very serious because it's an issue that I have. <laughs> How do you control perspiration when you're speaking <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> in front of large groups? Cause that's part of my fear is like, am I going to sweat through this shirt? Are they going to see your butt crack? Are they going to see, <laughs> your booty crack? Are they gonna see that V on the back of my pants or the pit stains? <laughs> Kurt, I don't know how long you've been doing this. Have you ever been asked that question? <laughs> About booty stains. No, booty you, brought it to, you brought it to booty. You brought it to booty. Everything comes back to that with Derek. 
You know, you're not the only person who does struggle with sweat. Um, I, I don't know him. I've never worked with him. But I had a friend that worked with Terry Bradshaw, and I heard, like, Terry would have a suit. He'd have, like, a button-down shirt that he'd wear um, until the moment he was about to be on stage, and he'd, like, change immediately and still mm -hmm. kind of sweat through it. Mm. Yeah. Um, he looks like a sweater. He yeah, looks yeah. like he would sweat. Like, mm. yeah, he just had, like, three ribeyes before he walked <laughs> on. <laughs> and four brewskies, yeah. That's amazing. Oh, that's um, awesome, man. Yeah, I don't. It's, so, it's that's the kind of stuff I think you have to ask yourself: Is it really as bad as I think? If it is as bad as I think, there's going to be medical things we do. But like, <laughs> first of all, I don't wear a freaking shirt. <laughs> so gray is not an ideal color to go speak in. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I put on a sport coat. Like, put, yeah, if you're gonna, if you sweat through the thing, put on a yeah. sport coat that covers part of it. You know, I think that just like really practical because otherwise it is it is nerve wracking. And last thing that sounds super awkward, but I've not tried this. I've had someone tell me that uh, like antiperspirant spray like in more places than just your armpits. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> baby, baby powders always be good for baby. Good. Yeah. Kurt, you're, you're those. being a good sport right now. Yeah. We just went down a really odd <laughs> path. Hey, hey, you'd uh, be surprised at how many people yeah. struggle with that. Hey, he, he said it earlier. He said it earlier. Preparation is key. Yeah. If you were prepared yeah. and you weren't trying to wing it, you probably wouldn't be sweating yeah, as much. Yeah, so wear three extra shirts underneath <laughs> it. So, <laughs> so we're talking to That's Kurt Steinhorst. Uh, the author of Can I Have Your Attention, good friend of mine, a guy who's, who's, who teaches CEOs and founders how to speak uh, and stand up in front of folks. I'll, I'll keep it real simple, Kurt. I mean, you do an awesome job with the organizations, with big organizations working with C-Suite uh, on how to present and, 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 and send messages uh, to their employees. So appreciate you, man. We're going to step into the session. We need that's that it. session. And Tyler, I'm gonna let you lead the session. So it's all about you. Yeah. I know you have your problems. Yeah, you guys, you guys got it figured out. <laughs> hey, it's cool because I got three coaches here now. Because yeah. these guys, these yeah, guys are dude. perfect. Appreciate you. Yeah, no, but Kurt, yeah, uh, you know, obviously it's something that our culture struggles with is focus uh and efficiency uh and and succumbing to distractions. So, you know, we would love for you to to kick this off and and we're here and we are uh your clay to mold. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. The other, the other side of attention. I'll start by just saying, um, many people, most people, in fact, uh, very seldom actually think about their attention and, and the impact of what occupies their attention, what directs their attention. And so any attempt to think better about, um, avoiding distraction, learning to focus needs to start with a, with a valuing of that resource. Um, because ultimately what you focus on, what gets your attention, um, will shape the trajectory of your career, um, the quality of your relationships, the, um, your view of the world in future, right? Even uh, do you see it as a, a pessimistic or are you optimistic? Like that's a function of what we pay attention to. And so, um, it, think about focus as simply another word for time management, then we're, we're, we've really lost from the outset. Um, focus is. Uh, certainly important. It's an important piece of time management, but um, I'm going to argue that time management isn't even the right angle that we should be taking at all because um, time is important, but we've all had the experience at some point where we budgeted the time, but we didn't give the attention, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. I, mm -hmm. I'm going on a date with my spouse or I'm spending time with my kids, but I'm not there. Do I win for that? No, I mm -hmm. don't because attention is the measure of what we value. 
when we give our attention to something, we're, we're saying that this is what is, is most important at this moment. Like it's literally the brain's filtering mechanism of what matters to us. So I just always want to start with that because it actually, um, it, it can become the foundation for where we go. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, it makes sense. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. So normally what I do is I would have a, a more complete, like a, an assessment of what distracts you, what things like that. But I, I'd really like to just start by asking the question, when you say um, I struggle with focus or um, I'm, I have too many distractions, like what does that actually mean for you? Like what is, what's your experience with that? What does that look like? Stress. Okay. Absolute stress. So for me, and I'll, I'll speak personally on my end, is, is trying to juggle too many things and – in doing so, I'm all over the place, and now the, here comes the stress because yeah. I can't pay attention to just one. Uh, I'm juggling three or four, and I'm trying to pay attention to all three. So I would say um, anxiety and stress. Yeah, I would say for, for me, the struggle, like, like Darren, there's, there's so many things I'm trying to juggle, but I think the, the core of that is I think the fear of disappointment and so I think I say yes to too many things um, yeah. that I can't commit fully. So, you know, it takes the it takes the attention away. And I love that how you said that, by the way, just because we're present doesn't mean it garners our attention. Right. I love that. Yeah. Um, my wife would uh, would echo that. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> but uh, but I think it's it's also to my fear of, of disappointing someone uh means that I take too much on, which means that, um, the stress of not fulfilling it to the standard that, that I find acceptable, it, it just takes too much of my attention and it takes away from really the important things that I, I value is, is, you know, my family and, and time there. Yeah. Okay. Ben, yeah. are you going to give us one? No, I think you two, uh, handled it pretty well there. No, no, for me, it's, it's just understanding and, and realizing what truly matters to me. Um, yeah. you know, when I, when I've struggled with focus is, is it's picking what is important and, and what avenue do I travel down based on what's important to me? Yeah. Yeah. Really poignant and kind of where I would, where I would naturally pivot here would be there. And, and I can give it, I'll give you a framework, kind of an overview of where we, we can go, but like we have, it's our framework for focus is really around four C's that drive focus. And the, the first one, and we'll spend time here, but uh, is finding clarity. And uh, the second one is uh, what people would not expect is cultivating curiosity. So curiosity is a big piece of focus. And then the next one is capacity, understanding what we actually have, the capacity, how do we expand capacity. And then the last one is community, understanding focus isn't individual at all. It's always in the context of the people we're around. Understanding what matters most. I think, um, so we'll start with clarity. And I would just, before we think about any more distractions, feeling stressed, feeling overwhelmed, um, when I ask the question, like, what is it that actually matters most to you? Um, there's two aspects we're looking for. We're wanting to understand, number one, what do we really deeply care about in each of the major spheres of our life? And then from what do we actually have control over that we can then, by focusing on it, it will actually create and generate change, right? So um, what I mean by that is we're in a world where technology kind of brings everything and says it all is important and everything's here and you can do all of it. And it distorts um, our ability to like 
zoom in and have clarity and we get confused. And then it also says like, I'm going to pay attention to this thing that's happening somewhere else in the world that I have nothing to do with and can't mm-hmm. change at all. Yeah. yeah. And so, so we want to understand and we want to understand change. So um, I would actually have you write down. I, I think no one on a podcast wants silence, <laughs> but um, the exercise is what matters most to me in each of the major spheres of my life. Um, who matters most to me? What by focusing on these, this ask this, my life will be fulfilled. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, it absolutely does. So, yeah. So I don't, I, I don't know if it'd be helpful for you to write that down, or for you to think about it, or for you to share it. Um, and, and then from there, I would say, what is it that specifically um, I can do to to actually put more attention on that thing. Like what is it that's getting in the way of that? So if someone, would any of you be willing to give like, here's something that matters most to me, or this falls into the deserves my full attention category? Well, I think the obvious would be like my faith or my family. So do, would you say something outside of those two? I, I, I mean, I, we usually go through work, you know, what, what actually matters most at work. And, and really right. that actually is always time stamped, right? Mm-hmm. So we do a, what matters most this week, what matters most this month, what matters most this year. And then we yeah. actually do what matters most over the course of my career. Like we want to look far out. Yeah. Um, so let's look family. Let's talk family. So this week, um, this week, what, what about my family? Like, what do I, what do I want to focus on? What, what is um, something that, with my family, I want to give my full attention to. Uh, I would say, you just said it a minute ago, be present. I want to be present because I'm not. Okay, perfect. That's perfect. So this is where we go from here. Um, being present is a great idea. Uh, no one benefits from your partial attention. Like no one. You don't benefit from it. They don't benefit from it. Work doesn't benefit from it. When we give our partial attention, we have there's all sorts of uh, consequences when it comes to like we're slower, uh, the quality of the conversation goes down, our emotional connection goes down, people don't feel valued. Like, but we all do it at times. So the way we have to pr- move this is we have to anchor to specific times when we are going to give our full attention, and specific places where this is going to occur. And this is what we do. We, we, we say, I need to do this. I feel guilty. But we are in this moment, especially with Corona and being stuck, where like everything from outside can come in and attack us and says, no, this, no, this, no, this. You should pay attention to this. You pay attention to this. And, and, and so what we do is we feel overwhelmed and like we're failing all the time. And so now we've just identified this is a primary thing that really is most important. If I don't do this, if I don't focus on this, then I'm not happy and I'm not actually doing what matters. And so when, the question is, when am I going to give my full attention and where is that going to occur? Okay. I love that. And that's, you hit it right on the head. I think for me personally, is that's a, that's a conversation my wife and I have all the time. And and by the way, we're all about transparency on this. So sorry, babe, if I'm putting it out there. But my, my biggest thing with her is that I always feel like I'm failing. I feel like I'm failing you. I feel like I'm failing my job. I feel like I'm failing friends. I mean, because I don't give or don't feel like those areas are getting the attention that, that they deserve. Yeah. And, and that's a great point. I mean, committing to a time and place where that is. 
So there's, you put your phone away, work is off your mind and I am committed. And it's like you said, a finite time. Like, okay, I am committed from five to seven 30 until the kids go to bed that I am 100% committed and everything else takes a back seat. That's right. Yeah. And, and then you, then you say, you set up your space to support that. And this is the, you know, you're, you're wired to be curious, to go find new stuff, to look at interesting objects, to see what else is out there. Okay, great. Um, unfortunately, that also just in, leaves us in a puddle of confusion, right? Because we really don't know. And so um, five to seven, I get off work at five. I do the same thing basically from the time I get off work to the time that I put the kids down. Um, and then we have, my wife and I have like a debrief after that. Um, the, my device, my phone is plugged into a charger. And, and it's, it's not in the same place. Now, here's the little dirty secret. I have an Apple Watch. People are like, <laughs> <laughs> but here's the deal. Not all distractions are the same. I hate using like messaging on my app, my phone. Why do I have an Apple Watch? Because I, I can know that if someone desperately needs me, I can see that it happens. Like we're not living in a world where it's like under no circumstances. I just want to make it a little bit harder so that I can then remind myself and reaffirm and let my space, let the things that could steal my attention, not get into the space. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. you know what? In, in saying that, you're going to have to sacrifice some, at some point, you're going to have to sacrifice different parts of your schedule. So does that mean maybe instead of getting up at 7 a.m., I have to get up at 5.30 a.m. to catch, you know what I mean? To, to allocate that. Yeah five to seven later on. I think that's one of the biggest problems that I've had is I complain, complain or complain to everybody that's around me. That's that there's not enough hours in the day. And then I had a guy who's sitting to my left, Ben here say, well, get up earlier and create more time. But I think the listeners need to hear that, that, you know, you just can't just cut out five to seven and say, I'll put my phone up without sacrificing some time for early earlier on in the day, or maybe your, your lunch break needs to be done at the office instead of, you know, at wherever at the restaurant. Right. I mean, am I right on yeah. this? Yeah. Well, so there's a few things I want to just challenge there. Um, you might need, you're not getting, but here's the other side. Um, there, the, the type of focus that actually drives efficiency is an, a, an energy exhaustive component of your brain. It's the frontal cortex. It's the executive function. It takes a lot of energy. So you're going you're gonna to lose in the long haul by thinking that you win by adding hours because you'll, you'll, the more tired you are, the more you want new shiny stuff. The more you're like, I know what I should do, but I'm going to go find this instead. Like we eat the dessert when we're tired, right? We, we, um, we avoid the hard challenging stuff when we're tired because the, the reason for this is the base system of attention, the one that doesn't take as much energy in your brain, is the one that makes sure you survive. And survival really depends on making sure something new and unexpected doesn't come into your environment that could kill you. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah, no, you said it right there. That's Ad, it. Adding That's more it. hours only works if you're being efficient in those hours that you're adding. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's what I've come to learn is, is it doesn't matter the time as much as it matters the content of how I spend that time. Mm -hmm. And it's all about, I could get the same amount of work done in three hours as I could in six hours. If I stay focused, the, the, the issue that I have, I guess, is if I give myself, you know, from, from 4am to 10pm or whatever it is in my mind, I've already made up that I have that amount of time to do this. 
And so I make it take that whole amount of time. But if I woke up at six and said, all right, I'm going to be done at eight, I'm probably still going to get the same amount of work done because I've learned how to be more efficient within that time. So Mm -hmm. yes, I I would encourage people to wake up early, but only if you're full of shit because you've been on me about waking up early. Only if you're getting getting exposed, (laughs) getting exposed right now. No, no. To what you just said though, it only matters if you're being efficient with that extra time you're giving. Just waking up early does nothing for you unless you're going to take advantage of waking up early. Yeah. And there's a couple things. Um, uh, we also want to remember what efficiency is for. Efficiency is to knock stuff out that, that as fast as possible so that you have extra space for what hmm. you want, what matters, right? And so what ends up happening is we created a day and a schedule. Um, you know, practical, one of the best things you can do is make your calendar your home screen rather than your inbox. You let that dictate your day. But we created a, the picture of perfection is a, an entire day of efficiency, right? And, and that's not the point. Um, that's not actually what we want to do. What we want to do is is create gaps where we're where 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 we are efficient because we want to devote as little attention to these things as possible so that we can then devote as much attention to the other things that matter most. And here's the other thing I'll say to you, Darren, is um, if you need two extra hours, it, one of the big things people say I, I'm distracted, but sometimes it's that you you actually uh, are unreasonable in what people think that you should be able to do. Um, we're in a weird moment in history where the higher you rise in authority, the more um, well-known, the more, the more people that to, can directly reach you and will. I mean, think about this. Like 500 years ago, no one talked to the king. Like to mm. power and authority and decision-making, it rose and, and there were filters. No one could get to you. So I, I would say that um, maybe it starts with, with saying these are the things that are really important. And then – we get rid, like, get rid of it, like, perpetuates uh, and often because you just got so much going that, um, that it's not reasonable for you to be able to do any of it well. That's true. Gosh, yeah, and that's the tr- and that's the truth yeah. about you. I mean, Ben and I see it all the time. You know, Darren's being pulled so many directions. Everybody wants a piece of him, and and, and you're exactly right. You know, whether it's social media or e- I mean, email is obviously a. a an essential evil. I mean, it's something that like we've got to have, but I mean, think about how much that is to the detriment of us as people in so many ways, right? Because I have instant access to a person, whether they want it, allow it or not, right? If they've got my email, they get to me. And I know for you, that is something because, and I'm guilty of it. I don't know. Ben is, Ben's actually the worst. Like you should see him hang out by Darren's desk no, at the office. No, let me tell like you, constantly. My, my boy, Clint Manning is the worst. <laughs> hey, I just need, I just need three and a half hours of your afternoon real quick. We're going to prospect. <laughs> but yeah, no. And, and that's, and this whole point about being efficient through your day, because I've always been and falsely thinking this is that I've always think the harder you work, the more progress you make. So, and I was literally before we got here, I'm like, man, it's been the longest two weeks. I've been working from seven to eight, nine, ten o'clock at night every single day. And I literally finished the day feeling like I didn't accomplish anything. And it doesn't necessarily yeah. matter the hours that you're putting in. Yeah. And you could wake up at four o'clock and get everything done. But that's where I struggle is is those hours that I am working, how efficient I am. And so the question to you is, is yeah, if how do you coach someone to be effective in the moment? And, and what is the benefit of maybe saying, taking those breaks, right? Those, those, cause yeah. you talked about 
the the efficiency and how we operate in the frontal lobe is that's exhausting. It really is. And how important those breaks are throughout the day to make sure that you can recharge. Yeah. Um, and we're kind of in the great pause, like the big pause, right? This weird moment that we're in. And so it's, it's forcing us to do what is actually really healthy. Um, if we remember that uh, efficiency and time management and life hacking um, will get you nowhere, but it will get you there faster if we have not identified uh, accurately and, and effectively um, what actually we're, uh, what the whole point of it all is, what mm. actually deserves our attention. And so, you know, I, I always say, let's make sure we start the day. Um, uh, you know, people say, don't check your phone for the first 30 minutes or whatever. Look, I do. I want to see what's out there, but I do a quick review. Like, let me see what else out there. And then I step back and I say, I'm going to take 10 minutes, five minutes. I have ADD. I don't like to do the 45 minute time. And I, I, I basically just do an evaluation of, of like, Hey, what does success look like today? Like, what am I going to put, mm -hmm. you know, what is my intention for each area of my life? And look, then we don't feel guilty because you can't, I mean, right now you're supposed to bother uh, the, like, that means hours with your kids, uh, you know, full attention. And then you got to be a great mentor, teammate, uh, got to knock out social media. Like there's a, so much to do. We can't do it all. So, so I give up that, but I make sure I know what is most important. Um, the, the last thing about being efficient in those times, uh, if I have clarity on, um, what exactly I'm doing and for what reason, it actually lets me filter a lot of it out. And so email is a terrible thing to be efficient at. You know why? Because the more efficient you are with email, the more they come back to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, wow. See, that's the reason. That that's the reason oh, why no. I don't send it's out these emails. It really that's is exactly it. It really is a. It, to me, it's almost a drug, right? Yeah. It's like I hit send and I give an answer, and that window until that comes back in my inbox is like bliss, right? No matter what it is, yeah. there's a piece that I'm just like, oh, I can't. Be oh, it's back. It's gone. Well, you let me I mean? let me say this because I want to put everybody out on blast right now. I'm the one that doesn't respond. I don't want to respond to emails, right? <laughs> you guys are always on my ass. You don't respond to these emails. You don't do this and this. But these two are like perfectionists when they write their emails. I mean, it's like Tyler's writing a novel when he's writing his emails because he wants it to be perfect. <laughs> hey, Kurt, I'm a storyteller. Out. I'm a storyteller. You are. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt, you you inadvertently just gave Darren Thank the biggest you. head. Hey, appreciate you, Kurt. He, he, he unintentionally he unintentionally doesn't respond. Justifying <laughs> failure is what he's doing right now. That is exactly what it is. He has no idea that what he's doing is actually good. Yeah, so let's chastise him a little bit. There we go. I don't want to give him too much credit for this. Now, hey, turn your volume up if you're listening. <laughs> the the problem is like when we don't respond to any emails, like. It, it, <laughs> What we're the, it actually changes. People will go to different channels, so they'll flood other places. Um, and also, they'll be like, "Oh, we just understand he doesn't respond to anything, so we're going to send more because he he didn't answer that one." So it actually can backfire on you. What we really want to do is we want to have the right filters so that the email or the messages that get to us are the ones that really we know we need to respond to. Um, and so what I'm like big easy thing is like. Um, do the types of ways you can reduce the volume at you, you know, people, processes, uh, technology, and the trash can. Like these are kind of the four ways. Uh, people is a huge one. I, 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 I don't understand like having an admin 
who um, who you trust, who is effective, to be the first filter is incredibly powerful. I have two email addresses. I have a public email address, and um, my admin uh, he has template message responses to a bunch of the regular questions we get. I never even see him. So the only messages I see are the ones that he says, hey, you need to respond to this. Mm. And so it's just like create filters so that you actually have a chance to say, if it comes to me, I know I probably need to deal with it. Yeah. Have you mastered the art of someone coming up to you in public and, you know, thinking that they talk to you via email mm -hmm. and you fake like you knew what he was talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's really funny because I've definitely had this challenge. We've started a thing where... Um, I, I at least get like a quick, I, he, he gives me a quick run through of, of the people he's responded to because uh, that is a problem. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. There's a, there's a, a president of a company that I know here, here locally. Um, and what he actually does is anytime he CC'd uh, on an email, he doesn't even read it. it. It goes to a special inbox. He doesn't even, he said, if somebody really wants to talk to me, They'll put me in the whatever the the regular inbox is or the the subject line, whatever it is. Uh, so he said, anybody that that CCs me, you're not going to get a hold of me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So well, people, the people, the company. The more that happens. Yeah. Uh, so people is one thing. What's what's the next tool? Um. So uh, processes. Mm -hmm. So um, processes is just the um, the idea of we're going to use emails for this. Um, we're going to take things off of email because we're going to put, uh, for instance, we communicate about a proposal in email. Why would we not use, say, a, a Google Doc and actually comment in the doc about the work? You know what I mean? So it's how do we, how do we make sure that we're reducing the volume by putting the content, the conversation where the actual work is being done, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, okay. And then technology is the big, you know, it's not, it's, it won't solve all these problems. Like people just think I have an inbox problem, more technology. So we get Slack and now we have the same number of emails and also Slack all day long, you know, and, and so it doesn't solve it because the same people that send you the most important messages are the ones that send you funny cat videos. Like it's, you just can't filter very well. Um, but there are some cool tech tools. Like I use a thing called Unroll Me that rolls up all of the newsletters and a lot of the bulk stuff into a single digest email a day. Hmm. You can oh. use technology. Un Unroll cool. Me? Unroll.me. Really great tool. Okay. Shout out Unroll Me. Now, so you have a promo code that you can throw out there for <laughs> listeners, get some credit for that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. That is. Okay, so... What would you say, I mean, if you were just to leave someone, because we want to be respectful of your time, uh, we really do appreciate that, what, you know, all the insight that you've provided. But if you're talking to, let's say someone that's not even in a, in a leadership role, and I know that's a, a majority of the audience that you work with, but someone that that is in a sales role or is in, you know, an operations role that still struggles with these, if you were to leave someone with one nugget to say, hey, here is one way to approach this that you can improve your life by managing your time so that your attention is focused where you want. What is that one thing? Yeah. Um, summarize it, I, summarize I, it in I, one I, sentence, by the way. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, it's funny. Like, I, I tell, we were joking about telling Derek, no one's going to remember everything. And I'm like, well, I'll give you 14. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
really, actually, it's it's not something we've covered, so this will be a good one to end on. Um, the the reality is your attention is not your own. Like we make the, it, it happens in the context of our, of the people we love and care about and the people who need our attention. And, um, and so what we need to do is we need to uh, have a conversation about the ground rules for how we want to engage one another. So for my family, once a year, we call it an attention alliance. Um, we, we ask basic questions. When am I fully not available? Like mm. people think we should all be available all the time. Um, no, I want to give you my full attention at these mm. times, and I want to, and that means I'm going to give you none of my attention at other times. So now you make people mm. that are actually enemies for your focus become your allies. Love that. Oh, yeah. Love that. Yeah. Hey, you know, what'd you call that? Sorry, what, what do you call uh, we, it? An, an attention alliance. Attention alliance, okay. Yeah. This is a really rare moment, right? That we have, we're living in this moment where everyone has come to think that regardless of where you are, we have access to it, to you, and we do. But the problem with that is that our brain wasn't ever wired to be able to handle that. Mm -hmm. And so we just want to say this space is for this purpose at this time. Then this time and place, I'm here, and now I have the chance so that it won't feel like, oh, I'm stuck doing this. No, like I've, I actually now can say nothing else matters because this is yeah. what matters. It's here. Right. Right. That's awesome. Hey, you know, one, one thing, I know we got to let you go here, Kurt, but there's a, a, a young man I spoke to not too long ago via email. His name is Chris Garrell, and he's the, uh, the president at Dallas Lease Returns. And here, here locally here in the DFW area. And via email, he, he brought up two words that speak directly to who you are and, and the value that you bring. He said, clarity and vision. And that is, those are the two words that I definitely agree with him because there's a lot of clarity that you brought to my life and how to structure myself and the vision moving forward on, on how I move forward towards that vision. So I want to, you know, of course, Chris mentioning that it spoke volumes, but I appreciate you. And hopefully the same thing to, to those listeners that we have out there, clarity and vision. When you look at, talk about Kurt Steinhorst, that's what you hear. Kurt, how can we find you? If, if we're someone, a CEO that's out there listening right now or an admin, how do we find you? Um, well, I'm, I'm available on social. So LinkedIn is a really great place. I, uh, I do still think email is probably the most direct. And so my email is cs at focuswise.com. So F-O-C-U-S. Is that right? Yeah. F -O -C -U -S. yeah. yeah. And everyone knows now that that's your personal, not your public <laughs> email. Correct? I do read every email. That isn't a has has Kurt's personal touch on every single one of them. That's right. That's right. You okay. guys. Ben, you want to you want to ask our yeah. uh, our final question? Oh yeah, oh yeah. We always like to end with this final question. So you can go back to any point in your life and tell yourself one thing. Where do you go, and what do you tell yourself? Um, that's funny. I go to my freshman year of college and say, "Ask her out." No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I probably go to. I I think the hardest period for many people is the, that early stage of your career where it, there's so much uncertainty and so f much fear about the future. And I, truly, I would probably go to that moment and just say, um, you know, the dream that you don't even think that you can have um, 
it's it's out there for you. You're going to be okay. Mm. Like it's going to be okay. Mm. That's probably what I That's say. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Well, Kurt, thank you so much for for spending your time with us and sharing the insight with us because I know. I mean, if no one listens to this, I mean, we got tremendous value out of this. Um, and so, so thank you so much. And, you know, I would encourage any listeners out there, reach out to Kurt. Um, here's the deal. If, if Darren backs somebody, mm-hmm. it's legitimate because he doesn't just, he doesn't that. just throw that out there. So Kurt, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you know, good luck to you as you go forward. We look forward to staying in touch with you and, uh, enjoy this, this, uh, this awkward, different time that we're not used to, uh, take advantage of it with your family. And, uh, we really hope that, uh, you continue to thrive and impact the leaders in our community. So thank you so much. Thanks, Kurt. Thank Appreciate you. Kurt. Thanks, Kurt. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks,